know they say that the heavenly language is Spanish. Now, I'm not sure who exactly said that, but that's what I have been told. Uh, Jennifer, let's sing that again. And let's, we're going to do, the, we're gonna do that, that verse in Spanish. All right, so all the rest of you gringos out there like me. <laughs> But I'm telling you, every time there is a praise song or there is a hymn that starts up in Spanish, I just get big old tears in my eyes and a throb in my heart. I don't know what that is. I don't think the devil would be doing that. But isn't that going to be something, folks, that one of these days when we get in the presence of the Lord, language will not be any issue. We'll all be singing from that place of the heart, that place of the heart. Now, as we, as we get past the first, that, that verse in Spanish, and, and we will sing together in English, I, I would, would, you, would you just let yourself go to that place, wherever that place may be in your heart, where you need help trusting Him, Maybe it's the place where we need help forgiving, or we, we need help believing, whatever that would be. Would you, could you just, I believe David talked to himself sometimes in the Psalms. My soul, oh soul, why are you cast down within me? I will yet praise him, talking to himself. I will yet praise him. There may be a place in your heart where you just need to sing to yourself, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Would you do that? Let's, let's, let's let the ones of you who can sing in this heavenly choir in Spanish this morning, you do that. Sing loud. The rest of us are going to be saying amen. I'm still trying to get my grip on the local Mexican food menus, so I'm, I'm not much on, on Spanish and songs, but I love hearing it. And, and then when we can, when it's our turn, all of us together, let yourself go to that place where you need to turn your eyes on his face. Let's just see what Lord meet with us now. We, we need you today. We need you. We love you. Come Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. 
there's a word this morning that I believe the Lord's been working in my heart for the last uh, several days. But before, before we go there, could I, could I just talk to you as a, a member of a family? Um, this last Tuesday afternoon at 5.11 p.m., there was a little baby boy born into our family. Methodist Hospital, San Antonio, Texas. His name is Reeves Evan Walker. Seven pounds, seven ounces, about 22 inches long. He is the second son of our youngest child, our baby boy, Evan and Aaron, and they live in Pleasanton. And we've been knowing for several months that it looked like we were going to have two grandchildren born in the month of February. We are one down and one to go. <laughs> and right now, this morning, watching this service in Dallas is Abby, Abby Walker Petkoff, uh, married to Ryan Petkoff who is a senior vice president with the Hunt Sports Group, which owns the Kansas City Chiefs. He is in Arizona this morning, and Abby is about a week out from giving birth to their firstborn and a little girl. She could come at any time. <laughs> We're just hoping that we make it through the Super Bowl this evening <laughs> with the father being absent, and um, she is due, it looks like, within the next week or so. And I just want to Uh, thank the Lord from a, from a grandpa's heart. Would you, would you pray with me? We, we've got a little newborn and had the joy of holding him and praying over him and loving him. But we're really excited about this, this granddaughter. We, we now have four grandsons and we need a princess. <laughs> and we feel like she, she's going she's gonna to take over her corner of the world once she... Gets here. Lord, I want to thank you for the gift of life. I want to thank you for the faithful way and merciful way in which you have caused our three children to be born and our four grandchildren to be born, and, and we are expecting and trusting you to take care of this little one for Abby and Ryan as Abby enters labor. Pray, Lord, that... that um, that you will be magnified, you will be glorified, you will be praised through all that is going on in these next few days. And we just ask you to work it such that, that, that Ryan can get back from Arizona to be around for the birth of this baby according to your heart and your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now it's something interesting and uh, the media has been reporting the faith positions of the two quarterbacks on the Super Bowl teams today. I love to read those things. That can just put a lot of pressure, however, on the behavior of those two young men on the field. If it goes well for the Chiefs, then Patrick is going to be giving praise to the Lord. If it doesn't go so well for the Chiefs, uh, we'll pray for him. <laughs> uh, the same with uh, Jalen Hurt, who both of them are Texas young men. You're aware of that. And um, uh, we, we have sometimes mixed feelings about who to root for. Channel View is where Jalen Hurts went to high school in the Houston area. And, um, and Patrick Mahomes, East Texas somewhere, played for Tech as you all know. Now, I, I just feel like I need to take a little liberty to do a little color commentary this morning as we head into the Super Bowl. That's about all I'm going to say. But I love the way the Lord has positioned His people, 
his people in places of leadership and influence. I'm going to be mentioning one or two of those, more of those this morning as we get into the, into the message. But we, we would just, there, there's, no, there's no perfect Christian, there's no perfect example of the life of Christ, but he, he does have a way, the Lord has a way of, of picking up and putting in places of influence and leadership uh, men and women uh, who love him and who honor him. So we will, we will rejoice in that and, uh, and be grateful for however things, however things go. So here's a question for you today. Have you ever had or are you currently having what we might define, describe as a tough relationship, a tough relationship? A tough relationship is not just a drive-by. A tough relationship is a relationship that you are stuck with. Is somebody who has your same last name, somebody who comes from the same family gene pool. A tough relationship is somebody you work for, and you're stuck with it because you need milk in your refrigerator and gas in your car. But it's hard. It's it's, it's a challenge, and I want to put it in this way. It, 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 it can be that, that when, when you are engaged in that relationship, face-to-face, phone call, Zoom call, email, dialogue, whatever, it, it, is, it is difficult because you have a sense that they are just, for whatever reason, just at war with you. That they're, they, for whatever reason, just don't like you for, this, for that season, don't want to get along with you. But you know that Jesus is alive in you. And, and that how you respond or don't respond can be a direct reflection on him. Here's the theme for today. Finding God in your tough relationships. Finding God. Lord, where are you in this particular relationship? Psalm 37. Would, would you go ahead and find Psalm 37 in your copy of the Scripture? One of the, one of the verses that... The psalmist David writes that is just very striking and amazingly insightful in the light of tough relationships. It goes like this. It's Psalm 37 and verse 23. The steps of a man or woman, the steps of a person, it's a, that's the generic term for man, human. The steps of a man, the steps of a woman, and, and the context would be wanting to please the Lord Wanting to do what the Lord wants you to do. The steps, the steps of a man or woman, and then it says, are ordered by the Lord. The steps are ordered by the Lord. We're not talking about the Lord painting with a broad stroke and that at the end of time we're going to be able to see that my, my life was ordered by the Lord. No, these, this is about steps. You, you live a life one step at a time. It says the steps of a man, a woman, are ordered by the Lord. And then it says, and he delights, he delights in their way. Though we fall, though we fall, he will not be cast headlong because the Lord is the one who has a hold of his hand. The steps of a man are ordered by the Lord. Well, what that means is, this season of your life in relationship with whoever that is that is tough to get along with, some way or another, the Lord has some kind of order that is coming from Him that's involved in that. Not saying that the Lord causes evil, causes trouble, but the Lord, folks, does have a way 
of allowing our steps in this life to go through some seasons that just are not comfortable, right? That are just not easy and smooth and necessarily preferable. But instead of him being absent, absent from those seasons and absent from those settings, this says that he is he is even intimately involved in. He delights in our way. <laughs> There's something that he sees in the steps that we're taking in the things that he has ordered that we're walking through that delights him. So to find God in a tough relationship we need to look close enough to see, well, God, what are you doing with me, in me, to me, for me in this relationship? What are you doing? What are you teaching me? What are you wanting me to learn in this tough relationship? David would say in Psalm 86, verse 11, and the theme is repeated in other, other places in the Psalms. Teach me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your ways. I, I want to suggest to you this morning three ways, or we might even call it three laws. Invisible laws that, that will not be reversed, that will not be violated without effect. But when we're trying to find, Lord, what are you teaching me? What are you wanting me to get from this tough relationship? What would it be? The first one would be this. He's desiring to use the tough relationships to give us understanding of and teach us about the law of humility and exaltation, the law of humility and exaltation. In Psalm 37, written evidently toward the end of David's life, you find that theme of humility and exaltation repeated again and again and again. If you look at, uh, at, at verse 7, Psalm 37, verse 7, David writes, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. That, that's another word for humble yourselves to the timing of the Lord, to the means, the setting, the timing of the Lord. Rest in the Lord, rest in him, and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because the wicked, because the man who carries out wicked schemes will be dealt with. And it's again in verse 9, for evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. Yet a little while and the wicked man will be no more, and you will look carefully for his place, and he will not be there. But the humble shall inherit the land and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. You turn the page, look down at verse 34. He says it again. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. And when the wicked are cut off, you will see it. The law of humility, and exaltation. The willingness and the inclination to come in low and not high. To come in low and stay low. A few days ago, I had the chance to spend some time with a with a dear friend from 35 years or so. I asked him, what would you say to a 30-year-old man? 
I'm, I'm doing some of those things. Some of you guys have been keeping up with that. Growing better men. How, what, what would you say to a 30-year-old man? His response was, I've been I've thought about that, and he said, that my, my response would be, what did I need to hear when I was 30? Right out of college, he went to work for a particular company, a specific company. It was just getting started. He, he stayed with them, and, and they were getting ready to expand out of Texas into Oklahoma, and they picked him to do the expansion, to be lead out in the expansion. So he gets there, and he, and he said, you know, I felt like I had done a really good job, and things were going well, and I'm thinking there was, you know, I was due for some real promotion beyond what I had, had already experienced in the company. He's 30 years old. He said there was a meeting up in the Oklahoma City, Tulsa area, and, and uh, it was a company meeting, and they got about in, and they wanted to meet with him uh, for a dinner evening meal after what had gone on for the rest of the workers and employees. And he said to himself, you know, I, I, thought, I, I thought this is it. This is where I'm going to get that promotion that I feel like I've, I've worked for and that, and that I deserve. He said when he got in there, <laughs> into that meeting behind closed doors, the ones over him shut the door, pulled out a page and a half list of things that he wasn't doing enough of, he wasn't doing completely right, that he needed to get on board and get these things covered. He said, working in my heart already at that time was the realization that the Lord had put me, the Lord had given me that job. And he said, the things that they were saying to me were corrections. They were true. I asked him, were they true? Or were they just saying bad things, just picking on He said, no, they were right. And he said what he did is he made the decision that he would come in under those instructions because the Lord had put him there, he believed. And in order to honor the Lord, he needed to humble himself under that correction. He stayed with the company. The company continued to expand and grow, and he continued to, to be blessed with promotions and expansions, and, but he said it was, it's always been that. He, he said, I, was a, I, I had, a, I had a, 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 B, a, a BA, had a, had a degree in, in, in college um, in, in, uh, in just, just uh, writing, just in publicity, of, of literature. I just, just, he said, and then I'm ending up having to be over a plant. I don't have any background, but I felt like if the Lord put me there, he was going to give me what I needed to do if I didn't quit and run. Time has passed. His name is Ricky Dixon. He's the president and CEO of Bluebell Ice Cream. I said, I said, now the truth is, Ricky, if you had said to the higher-ups at that point, what are you doing pulling me out of San Antonio and making me live in a place in another state, for heaven's sakes, across the Red River all the way into Oklahoma? What are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to me? And why, why is your attitude so specific in the things I've done wrong? If that had been your attitude, then who's sitting behind the desk of the CEO of Bluebell Ice Cream would have been somebody completely different. Folks, listen. When you choose to humble yourself in the place God has put you and are willing to receive the correction, the instruction, and you're willing to wait, wait for the Lord, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. Even in the place of a difficult relationship, God knows what you may be needing. God knew what Ricky Dixon was going to need in, in correction and instruction. And, and, the, and the ones in authority were watching him. They have, they have, Bluebell has never had anybody other than a family member sitting at the top of the food chain in the company until Ricky Dixon came along. Well, why was he picked? 
He was picked because they understood that he was willing to come in under authority and work in the place. Even though in that season there were some challenging relationships, difficult relationships. Folks, if, if, if you, you find yourself when that, when, when that phone call comes or, or when there's a knock at your door or, or there's, a, there's an email and it's that person, it's that, it's that challenging relationship. And the knee-jerk response is something that is not big and high, and I'm going to tell them what I think, but rather it is almost to the place of there's just the mention of their name or that they want to see me. I just sort of get into a, get in a fetal position within my heart to understand, to understand that that is not all bad. It, it isn't that everything they may say to you or the judgments that they may have about you are accurate or are correct. But here's what you got to know. Anything that causes us to be low and willing to stay under the plan of God for our lives, that is the very thing that beckons the power of God to bring the support to push us and carry us where he wants us to be. He is not going to put someone full of themselves and eaten up with confidence that they've got on their own, lastingly in a place of influence within the kingdom of God. But to this one, I will look, Isaiah 66, to him who is humble, contrite of heart, broken of heart, and who trembles at my word. It is said of Dr. Billy Graham, now in heaven, it is said that the reason that it seemed as if doors would open to him and folks wanted to meet with him, kings and presidents and so forth, was not because of his knowledge of, of international affairs, but it was because there was such a humility that was indescribably attractive about that man. If, if, if the Lord is allowing a tough relationship to bring that out of you and to establish within us a humble heart, a lowly heart, then even though the means of it may not be pleasant, may not be all of God, but the effect of it is, Lord, I, you know the truth is, I'm really nothing without you. What they're saying could really be considered true apart from your grace in my life. I don't need you just sometimes, Lord. I need you all the time. And if that phone call or that text or that email coming from whoever that tough relationship may be embodied by results in us being low and looking this way instead of up and our nose in the air looking down at everybody. That it's always somebody else's fault. I, you know, I just, I've just had sorry bosses all my life. That's why I've never really been mad at anything. No, no, no. If the Lord had brought, has brought bosses, influences into our lives that were intended to bring about a level of humility so that we're trusting in the Lord, and you have never got that, that it's always these people out there that are after me instead of it being Lord. What are you trying to get me to get from these ones that seem to have problems with me? I want to get it, and I just want to stretch out. before Folks, listen, the safest, best place you can live from is stretched out, prostrate before the Lord. Lord, I receive what you have for me. I'm nothing without you, but there's nothing I can't do when you're giving me the strength to do it. Folks, when there's a mixture of this pride and, and that being mixed with what the Spirit would want to do, there's a dilution of the impact and the purity of that. But when we're willing and ready to say, Lord, I'm, I'm nothing apart from you. I'm nothing apart from you. But here's what I believe. You assigned me that mountain to climb. 
Nobody may have ever climbed it before, but that's what you're putting in the crosshairs of my life to go for. Nothing will stop me, Lord, as long as you're giving me the energy and giving me the strength, giving me the direction, giving me the techniques I'm going for. But the confidence is not in yourself. It's in him. Biblical humility is no confidence in me, but all confidence in him. Biblical. That, that's why somebody can be full of humility, but speak with great confidence, <laughs> with great joy. I, I remember, Christy, I remember Billy, Billy Hobb, Billy in heaven, that dear brother. I, I, would, I would come back and listen to him pray, or he'd come back from a revival meeting uh, somewhere he'd been preaching. You know, he's, he's uh, was the NFL player and the Aggie and all that stuff and linebacker and number 55 and just a dear brother, dear friend, part of our city family. And he'd come back from preaching somewhere, and I'd say, Billy, how'd it go? He would honestly say, I was awesome. <laughs> he hadn't been to seminary. He hadn't been to Bible college. I wanted to hold him under four or five minutes to make sure he got baptized good, get all that stuff off. But what he was saying was, the Jesus in me was awesome. And I was so blessed that he used me to do what I know I couldn't do. I was awesome. So you got to factor that in. When you understand who you are and you understand who he is, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing that can stand in your way. All right? So tough relationships the Lord, our teacher, will use to establish in us that, that law of humility and exaltation. The power of God is in support of the humility. God gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. What's coming down is where we have exalted ourselves. What's going to come up is when we've stretched ourselves out before the Lord and are waiting upon him. He will exalt. It, it's the two sides of the same coin, humility, exaltation. Second one, tough relationships the Lord will use to teach us and establish in us the law of forgiveness and freedom. The law of forgiveness and freedom. We're not talking about when the relationship has ended, living in separate states, not talking anymore. Talking about in the middle of the relationship. It's going on right now. The law of forgiveness and freedom. What is forgiveness? It's release. It's release. We have a couple of options when someone is offending us by what they say and how they act, do or not do. And it is that we can just cause the resentment, allow the resentment to just keep building up inside here. And it cooks and it sours our spirits. And it, and it causes us to be, because that is still festering in us, a dispensary of pollution in relationships everywhere. They find folks staying away from you because you're so sour. Why are you sour? Because there's somebody you hadn't let go of. But when there is the realization that the Lord has said, if you forgive those who have sinned against you, then the Lord will forgive, release you from the things that you have done against him. But if you will not release them, let go of it, then the Father will not forgive you. That's about relationship. It's about something coming between us and heaven and the heart of the Father. To forgive means to release to let go of. So when the things are said and they, they, they come in waves or they, they, they come in such a fashion that, that it really gets to you, the reason the Lord will allow some of these things to continue to happen is because he's the perfect coach. 
He knows that there has to be repetition and repetition and repetition for habits to get established in us spiritually. That every time an offense comes, something offensive comes from that one. I have the choice of letting it in and then develop, well, I have the right to stay mad at them, to resent them. Or we have the choice in the moment as it happens, Lord, I give this to you. I release them to you. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden the things that they've done to you are any less bad or any less wrong. They may be a great degree worse than what you even know about. But I give them to you. I give what they said to you. I give what they said to you. You know what can happen is that when some folks are really trying to crush you, realize that what they've been doing to crush you doesn't crush you anymore. They can quit it because it doesn't do any good to keep firing rounds in a direction if it's not hitting anything. That, That happens when we understand and we embrace this law of forgiveness and freedom. I'm going to live, Lord, the best I can, my life, giving to you, giving to you every time a thought comes up, every time something comes in from the outside to cause me to be hurt and to be offended. I'm I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. You say, well, I don't know how in the world you do that. That's because you just hadn't ever tried that. You had never really been serious about it because the difference between the difference between carrying an offense and the freedom having from having released an offense is the difference between what you feel like when you haven't had a shower for five days and then when you get in there and Irish Spring does what it can only do in the wet and you come out clean. It's the difference between stinking and smelling good. It's the difference between musty and old and dirty and feeling clean. It's dramatic like that. So how does that happen? Paul would write, if by means of the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. You and I on our own have a difficult time forgiving, releasing. Our memories work. Sounds are stuck there. Faces and places are stuck there. That's why Paul would say, if by means of the Holy Spirit's power, you are putting to death the deeds of the flesh. What is a deed of the flesh? The inability to forgive. The the, the holding on to grudges. If by means of the Spirit, so here here comes something. Here here, here comes an offensive something in my direction. Lord, I know you don't want me to take that, and and I want there to be forgiveness in my heart to release this person and what was done unto you. But Lord, you know I can't do that on my own power. You know I'm just playing word games, so I'm asking you, send your Spirit in power to my heart to help me from the inside out, let go of it. Jesus would say, unless you forgive from the heart, it's not forgiveness. So Lord, if that ever is going to happen, I need your spirit, the invisible presence of the exalted Lord Jesus Christ, alive in your chest, in fresh power, breaking the shackles of resentment and unforgiveness as you give that under the Lord. The result, the, 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 the retribution for sin, it's in the Lord's hands. You're not saying, waiting for the next shooter job drop so that so that you can see vengeance meted out, or that they finally got what they had coming. You've turned all of that over to the Lord. The law of forgiveness and freedom. The law of forgiveness and freedom. Why won't this relationship get any better? Why does this seem just keep hanging on? What what if it is about? He wants to bless you with the exaltation one day because of the humility that you're willing to walk in right now. And then he wants to show you. He wants to cause you to know the freedom, the freedom, the lifting, the gate being opened, the sky being clear, 
the freedom that comes from releasing that one under the Lord. If you say, I don't know that I could ever do that, then that's where, Lord, if this is going to happen, you're going to have to give to me your spirit and power in that place to put to death in me this resentment that can turn to bitterness. And you know what, folks? It doesn't just sour you, as we mentioned before. It sours everybody you touch. And that's why some folks don't want to be around you anymore. Maybe. I, nobody has written, I'm not calling any names here. You know, somebody's written me a note. I don't want to be around that person because they just, they're just so bitter. You don't have to have the name. That's just the way it is. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, Lord, where the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy, but you came to give me life, I'm asking you to fill me up from the heart out so that there's forgiveness, there's freedom, and so that there is a willingness to wait on you for your timing. The third one is this. The third law or way of God that he uses difficult, tough relationships to teach. It is the law of authority and victory. The law of authority and victory. Now, I want you to think back about the last conversation you had or the last email you got or whatever it was, the most recent, and don't have to do it long. We won't stay there. I won't spoil your day. But just, from, just so you get the point here, some way or another, there was authority, invisible authority, that was conveying those words to your heart. It was the authority to crush, the authority to beat down, the authority to intimidate that caused you to end up in retreat instead of standing. Here is a law. Here is a spiritual law. When the greater authority shows up, the lesser authority backs up. When the greater authority shows up, the lesser authority backs up. I want you to find Ephesians chapter 6 just for a moment. You, you will know that this one is in the, in the Scripture. We reference it many times. Paul writes, verse 10, Ephesians 6, finally... You be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. You put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. When it settles in on you that the person who is saying those things to you is not the problem. You're on your way to an incredibly wonderful and free place of blessing. Paul is saying, if we're spending all our time fighting flesh and blood, we are wasting our ammunition. One of the things that the Lord wants to do in tough relationships, I believe, is that he wants to teach us how to fight. He wants to teach us how to fight. But the fight is not with your dad or with the boss, with the human, the human, the human. They're doing what they're doing because they are pushed by an unseen force. 
to say the things they say, to do the things they do. And when it comes to be something that the result of what they say or do is overwhelmingly powerful, and you literally can feel yourself on the inner part of you wadded up in a fetal position, it's more than the person. Are, are you all hearing that? It's more than the human. Now, I've, I've just got to say this to you. Some of you will never fight to win. You'll never be successful in this fight if all you see is the name of the person and the face of the person that you can see. They are not the source. They are a symptom. Uh, this, th this Bible cannot move on its own, but I can move this Bible. Th this tablet cannot move on its own, but I can move this tablet. That is what is happening in many instances. That's what Paul would say. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It is against the unseen arrayed powers of darkness that are bent upon stealing, killing, and destroying the benefits of God's people. Would you find one more time, because we've seen this before, Ephesians chapter 1, and on toward the end of it, and verse 19. We know what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who are believing. The working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at, the right, at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he has put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church. Skip down to verse 4, chapter 2, verse 4. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When you received Jesus as Savior and Lord, you, you received more than the forgiveness of your sins and your name written in the Lamb's book of life. You receive, when it is properly understood, you received the position, a joint position with Jesus Christ. Seated in the heavenly places, all authority having been given to him, and a measure of that authority while we still walk on this earth, in his name we meet out, are intended to meet out his authority against the forces of darkness to set captives free, to cause Jesus' right hand of deliverance to be seen and felt and known through our lives. There are some of you, I believe maybe many of you, who have walked down through this, understand the importance of humility. I'm getting that. I understand the importance of forgiveness and not being eaten up with unforgiveness. But folks, I'm just telling you, there are a whole lot of us that hadn't gotten this law number three. We don't even think about it in terms of our tough relationships. Let me say it again. The greatest authority, when the greater authority shows up, the lesser authority backs off. I'm going to tell you something, that if you will do this today, by the next time you have another encounter with whoever, whatever that is, that can put you in a fetal position, if you'll employ this, I believe you can, you'll be able to see and sense a measure of real change. That instead of being mad at the person, you recognize that the target of your ammunition are the forces of darkness driving that person. That the reason, again, that you, you get so crippled, you get so is because it's not a human coming against you, it's a spirit coming against you. It's a spirit of darkness, supernatural power arrayed against you to discourage you, to defeat you. 
But when you realize, and it doesn't mean your shoe size changes. It doesn't mean you've got some degree now from a you know, mystical Bible university. It just means that you're realizing, wait a minute. I'm clothed in Christ Jesus. He has me here on this earth for his purposes. And he has given me specific instruction. Here's how you pray. Come, kingdom of God. Be done, will of God. There's no requesting in it. There's no requesting. Jesus put it in the imperative, the command. Here's what you are to say. Enforce my authority. And that's broken out in come, kingdom of God. Be done, will of God. The kingdom of God coming means that that which is sponsored by Satan and authored by Satan is defeated. So in the situation where these tough relationships can just blow your hat in the creek and cripple you up at just the thought of it, for you to be able to get out on your knees and be able to say maybe for the first time ever as a Christian, Lord, I recognize that this onslaught is not coming through the person but is coming as a result of the forces of darkness pushing that person. Right now, the best I can, I confess my sins, and I pray you'll cleanse me with your amazing blood. But then, Lord, here's what I'm saying. Come, kingdom of God, against that. Be done, will of God, against that darkness. I enforce the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ against it. I told you, if you'll do this today, then very likely the next time something happens, there may be some dramatic kind of change. Here's, a, here's an example. Two or three weeks ago, we got word that in, in with one of our, our children and spouses and their, and their little family, the, the boss, the, 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 the man that, that one of our ones worked directly under, had just become almost out, out of the blue, just hostile and arrogant and threatening and just, just mean-spirited. So much so that the spouse overheard this boss hollering at her spouse in another room, could hear the guy just going nuts. Shirley and I hear about that. that there was something that made me so mad in the moment. I, I can get mad, and it's not God. I can get mad in the traffic. But there are other times, folks, when it's not mad at the person necessarily, but there is an indignation against the forces of darkness that are trying to steal, kill, and destroy, and disrupt the flow of supply, financial soul to supply into this little family. I said, so we need to pray. We, we just, we need to pray. That is darkness coming against them. Pushing that man to say and threaten what he's doing, that is darkness. So we stopped, and I think we were in our kitchen, and just began to pray, Lord, that's not you. It's too strong for it to just be that man. And we pray in the name of Jesus that your authority would be enforced against that spirit of darkness that it would stop it, it would shut up, it would get its hands off of the influencing of their provision, it would be thrown into confusion, and that man would be set free. Now, folks, I'm not saying it was the words necessarily that we used or that it was me praying. This is for you. This is for you. Get up to bat and swing at the devil in the name of Jesus, and you may be blown away at what he'll do. A day passed. A day passed. And I'm guessing it was the next day. We get a phone call. Mom, Dad, you won't believe what happened. Call the fellow's name. Something has changed. He's come in apologizing. He's come in like with his, with his hat in his hand. He's come in speaking words of praise about the work that this particular family member of ours had been doing. Folks, listen. 
that man was set free because a greater authority in the name of Jesus came against the lesser authority driving him, and he was set free. So can you do that? Instead of just thinking, I've got to sit here and take it. Yes, we stay at the place, may the Lord, may it be, in the place of humility. Yes, we need to forgive and keep on forgiving. But one of the reasons that the Lord will cause these tough relationships to emerge is because he wants you to learn how to fight. He wants you to learn how in his name to stand against the forces of darkness Enforce the authority of the one who has all authority. His name is Jesus. And as you sense that, as you taste that, as you see it happen, that this person is no longer pushed with the force and influence and impact that that one once had, you, you will know there's something to this. I'm going to finish with this. After the first service, I got a text, and I want to read this to you. The Lord has shown himself exceedingly faithful to me in the truth you shared today. In the Fortune 500 world, I was assigned in two different corporations to work for not a difficult person, but the most difficult person at the time in each company. Both individuals were executive vice presidents and the number one successor to the CEO at this Fortune 500 company at the time. They probably had the most influence in the company and were, humanly speaking, the, quote, smartest people in the company. Humanly speaking, I had no chance it made obvious my need for the real authority to handle the situation. In both cases, the Lord turned their hearts. They both ended up promoting me and being an advocate for me. In the case of the first, I became his confidant, and he came to ask me to pray in public forums held for his leadership and in a party in the presence of the hundreds of people that were in his organization. I believe that not only did he give me victory over the assault and prospered me, but he created victory for his kingdom in their lives. He also, during the course of time, gave me his heart of compassion and mercy for them to pray for them and their souls. Wherever you are, the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ is available for you to call upon to enforce when the forces of darkness are coming against you and against those you love. What if you have never been taught to fight? What if all you've understood is endure? Yes, it's endure. But yes, it's also fight the good fight of faith. Lord, I'm asking you this day, please, to take this where a preacher can't take it. God, I'm asking you for revelation in the eyes of the hearts of your children so that you will be speaking a word of clarity you will be speaking a word of direction to us, and as you speak to us, faith will rise in our hearts to believe. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I enforce his authority. I enforce the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ against that spirit driving that man, that woman, that situation. I call upon the authority of the one who's been given all authority to set the captives free, to finish the work of God in hearts and lives in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Folks, my prayer is that you'll be so bothered by what you've heard this morning
so bothered from the standpoint of what am I putting up with? What am I enduring that the Lord never has intended me to put up with or endure? When he's given me authority and you authority in his name to resist the enemy and receive the victory. On a phone call, if the one on the other end of the phone call has greater invisible spiritual authority working in them than in you, then you'll end up being bruised, cut up, sent to the ER because it's supernaturally empowered to do what it does. But if, on the other hand, you realize there's darkness driving that call, but there's the spirit of the exalted Jesus alive in you listening to it, and you just in your spirit quietly but strongly say, I enforce the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ against you, Spirit. I'm telling you, in a matter of seconds, it can be that the whole atmosphere changes. So here comes this boss who had been brutalizing the young man that worked under him. The prayer was prayed, and the next time they met to this day, and it's been a few weeks now, the atmosphere between them has completely changed because it was a force of darkness driving that meanness and that meanness spirit being driven was overpowered by a greater authority and held in check by a greater authority. And that greater authority is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me, please, as we get ready to leave this, leave this place? Finding God in your tough relationships. He wants you to know him as a warrior. He wants you to know him as a shepherd. He wants you to know him as all wise and all loving. I'm telling you, he wants you. And I'm not pointing at your husband, ma'am. You know, I'm, not, I'm not pointing just at the men. He wants you to know his authority. He wants you to know his power to enforce his authority, to, punch, to set captives free. Now, there may be that this, this young man who was so mean to this, this friend, family, they may end up being great friends one day. I told him that you guys may end up being great friends. He said, I don't know whether that'll happen. But when there's no devil driving the meanness, the person who is really in there, the Lord loves and wants to save. He rescues the perishing. He cares for the dying. He snatches in pity from death and the grave. Would you stretch out your hands, please, and let me just speak this blessing. In the light of what we've heard this morning, now may the Lord bless you. He wants to bless you with the realization of what you have heard this morning. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, in the name of his Son, Jesus, in the name of the Holy Spirit, amen, 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 amen. Join us here at the front, folks, if we can pray with you. Prayer partners, if you'll meet me here and be, be with us. Streaming family, as you know, I, I, I read from you, from our streaming family, just a, an amazing and wonderful testimony. We love keeping up with you, love praying for you, hearing from you. You, here and streaming, your support makes it possible, folks, for these words of encouragement to go out across the nation. And that's happening in different parts of the world. So if, 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 if you are being blessed, then what you do to help and support, it, it helps us to be able to get the word out to others who need the same blessing, need the same encouragement. So thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. God bless you. 
God bless you. We will, we'll, um, we'll be here next time. Now that that building's coming up out there. We're probably uh, not as many months away as we were before. We're probably down to weeks, and we'll be trying to get you a more accurate first Sunday service uh, out there. It, it's coming soon, and the Lord's making a way. And bless you for your help with that as well. All right. If you need to stay around here, you just sit back down and hang out. If you see somebody looks like they need a good hug of encouragement, you go give it to them in Jesus' name. And the Lord bless you today and keep you. And we'll see you next time. Amen. Bless you.